we need to claim the happiness now in a way where we can really celebrate the small steps that we take every single day. We don't celebrate very well at all, do we? Especially as women. If we feel, oh, if I celebrate or if I say this good thing, I'm going to be boastful. You know, who heard growing up? Don't be boastful. Those for me are the three key stages. You're listening to the Bookkeepers Podcast with the 6FB, the weekly podcast for bookkeepers. Every week, we'll be talking about what's new in the bookkeeping world. And here are your hosts and founders of the Six Figure Bookkeeper, Joe Wood and Zoe Whitman. Hi, and welcome to the Bookkeepers Podcast. I'm Zoe Whitman. I'm here with Joe Wood, and we're joined by friend of the Bookkeepers Podcast, money and wealth expert, Catherine Morgan. Hi, Catherine. How are you? Hello, lovely girls. Yeah, I'm great. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Oh, it's always really nice to have a chat and we always have massive breakthroughs. Whenever we speak to you, I, we need you in our lives. So thanks for sparing the time for us. Catherine, do you want to start a little bit by telling us what you do? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I've been in the space for, oh, I actually said 20 years the other day and then I realised it's actually like almost 30 years. <laughs> well, probably not that long, 25 years. And I was predominantly, I was a financial advisor, a qualified financial advisor for 20 of those years. And I had a terrible relationship with money. And what was really interesting for me is that I was very fortunate that for most of people listening to this, we had pretty much no financial education, right, growing up. And so everything we know or think we know about money often just comes from influences, maybe parents' influences, movies that we watch, books we've read, podcasts we listen to, all of those things. And I was really fortunate that because at the age of 18, I went straight into the banking sector. I learned everything there was to know about investing, different ways to manage money, how to have a good credit rating, how not to over abuse your credit card, all of the things that can often get people into trouble with money. But I still was stuck in recurring debt shame cycles through all of my 20s. And this kind of really led me into a whole journey of personal development to really understand the relationship that we have between how we feel about ourselves and how we treat money. And really the way that we feel about money is a mirror reflection of how we treat ourselves. And having went into multiple rabbit holes and studied in financial coaching, in neuro-linguistic programming, in the trauma of money work, which is really looking at how trauma affects and impacts on our ability to make decisions around money and various other modalities and completely changing my relationship with money. What I now do is to help women specifically to make and hold on to more of their wealth because some people are really good at making the money, but not keeping hold of it. And for other people, they're not so good at the making the money because they don't feel deserving to have it in the first place. So we really help women to step into that place of self-empowerment, unpick some of the stuff that sits around money to essentially feel confident to step into a place of wealth, which isn't just about the amount of money in their bank account. That's really interesting because I think that those patterns are things that we've seen in the bookkeeping community and we're always pushing our boundaries, pushing limits. And we talk about repricing a lot, for example, but we'll also talk about building other revenue streams into your business and the other things you could do. Because I think once you learn about business, it's not limited to bookkeeping. And so there are lots of people in our communities who are th- in our community who are thinking, 
actually I could do more or there's something else that I've got to offer, but they really stop themselves and then they'll join programs and they'll learn, they'll listen to the podcast and think, oh, there's a thing that I could go and do. I know all of the things I have to do to make it happen, but then they stop and they don't know what to do next. Why do you think that is? Like we have this real hunger and thirst for this knowledge that was going to help us to grow, but then we get in our own way. Why do you think that might be? Yeah, it's such a good point. I think for a lot of people, there's several reasons why we either one of two things happens. Like we have this goal that we're like, cool, I'm going to go and create a semi-passive income stream, like a course or a membership or another service to help our clients. And often that happens. And then one of two things happens. We have this fear of success or fear of failure. And fear of success comes in where we have this idea of achieving another level of financial success and all the responsibilities that come with it can be quite intimidating, quite frankly. And when we think about things that we haven't yet done, it's that fear of the unknown. It's the fear of all of the added pressure and expectations that we should be earning a certain amount of money or we should be growing our income or increasing our profits for example and it can really lead to this deep-rooted fear of not being successful what would other people say about me if I wasn't successful what would I how would I feel about myself and often the fear of success is driven by a feeling of lack like a feeling of not good enough so even when we go and learn how to do these things we still self-sabotage, which doesn't make any logical sense, but it's because the brain's main job is to keep you as safe as possible. So anything that's unknown or unfamiliar, the brain will always remind you that, oh, you can't do that because what would your mum say or what would your friends say about that? And so it becomes this almost like self-fulfilling circle of prophecy where we don't reach our full potential because we're fearful of what would happen if we were successful. Maybe if you were to suddenly have double your income in your bank account or become a seven-figure business owner, what would people say about you? So it's often that external influence that impacts how we feel about success. Or the other thing that can happen, and these can happen together conjointly, is the fear of failure. Like, what would happen if I don't hit my goals what would happen if I reach my goals but then I lose the money what would happen if I reached my goals and then other people criticize us and so we don't necessarily take the risks or do the things that we know are going to help us to generate like semi-passive income for example So I often find that the fear of success and fear of failure, they're like two little angels on either shoulder. Like sometimes they can both be responsible for holding us back. But often it's the stories that sit underneath that, the stories that we tell ourselves that we're not good enough, we don't know enough. So we buy loads of courses or do loads of qualifications or it's not perfect enough. Like, so we go and create a course, for example, And we record it and we edit it. We put music behind it and we create perfect sales pages and then no one buys it. And because we're we're in this perfectionist mindset. 
And there's so many stories that can contribute towards the reason why we often know what, that we want to do something, but we end up self-sabotaging. Oh, it's absolutely fascinating, isn't it? I'm, I'm really interested in something you said earlier, because you said something about it's the feeling that we aren't deserving that makes us not be able to create money. But mm. then, so what is it about holding on to money? Because you do hear of, the, so I feel like in my lifetime, I've gone through a journey, whereas I now feel like I can make money and I can do that, but I'm not as good as holding on to it as I was. So with, so I, it's not like I don't feel like I deserve it. I do, but I know it must be exactly what you're saying. And is it, and then how do we go about, and obviously you help people with this, but is it changing those, is it rewriting those stories and believing them that is the key or is it just actually going out and doing it and learning new like practical things or is it a bit of everything that helps you change that? Because it feels like impossible to rewrite all these, like your core beliefs and rewrite the story and feelings about yourself. But so how do you take somebody on that journey? Yeah, it's a really great question. And there is no cookie cutter approach with this. It really is a journey. And the first step in that journey for me is awareness. It's getting curious to what are some of those stories or those beliefs that you hold to be true about yourself. Because remember the stories that we hold about ourselves are often not true. The reason that, that they're stories is because we have experienced something, a conversation, or a physical experience where it's the meaning that we have given to that experience or to that story that makes us feel like it is literally true. So when somebody feels like, like in your example there, Joe, I feel deserving to have it, but there might be a story underneath the justification of, is it okay for you to be wealthy? Would it be okay for you to have hundreds of thousands of pounds in your bank account? Would it be possible for you to be wealthy if other people are not wealthy? So it could be that, well, I can't have all the wealth because that means somebody else can't. And it's this feeling of lack that whilst you're feel, feeling deserving to have it, there might be an unconscious story in there about it being fair, like wealth being fair and honest. Because if you think about things that we grew up with in the 80s and 90s, the films that we watched, the stories that we heard, role models that were represented about it being okay for men to make wealth, but not for women, that men were the main breadwinners, but not women, that for women to be wealthy, they were likely to be considered quite mean, quite bitchy, quite greedy, then it's no wonder that we hold these beliefs to be true, because that's all the evidence that's given to us. So why wouldn't we think it's true? And then it stops our ability to be able to maintain wealth. And this is where people will get into cycles of people pleasing, overgiving, which is known in psychology as fawning. So we people please. So we give away money. Like we're the one who go to the restaurants with all our friends and go, don't worry, I've got this. And then you're like thinking, oh, shit, I don't have enough money to cover this. Or you're giving away 60 minutes of your time on a discovery call and it ends up going into two hours. Or you have defined 
boundaries of your client service agreements and you always end up giving them more time. It's fawning. It's a psychological disorder, very prevalent in women specifically, because we want to be loved. We want to be liked. We want to feel accepted in society. And so all of these things that are going on, it's just more evidence to support our beliefs. So when you asked you about where do you start, it's really just understanding what are some of the stories that you might be telling yourself and where are you holding it in your body? A lot of people do a lot of mindset work. They might have rewritten their money story. They might have looked at their unconscious beliefs around money. But unless you change it in the body, how the body experiences that belief around money, then it's not going to change. And this is why people might have done work on money mindset before, but it's still there. Like it keeps coming up. (laughs) It's like a bad smell. It's like it keeps coming up all the time. And whilst you can get some level of progress with money mindset work, I'm such a big believer now having been trained in the trauma of money and somatic work that actually if you just recognize when you get that feeling, when you get that feeling of maybe it's having a conversation with a client about how much your services are, you know, when you have to tell them, oh, it's £5,000 to work with me or it's £2,000 or it's £500, you get this feeling in the body and it's normally throat, head, chest, stomach. It's normally one of the key chakras. And for those people that follow me, like I'm not, massively woo in this space but I do really believe that there is a very strong body connection between the way that the brain works the way that the body works and it's actually the body that informs the brain not the other way around so your body takes a signal so let's say I don't know let's say we watch Devil Wears Prada and so our belief is that rich women are greedy and mean and horrible and they don't hold on to relationships If we think about that movie, they don't hold on to relationships. People don't like them. If we let's say we think of a sensation in the body that comes along with that, we have to clear the energy that we feel in the body to be able to start to shift long term some of those core beliefs that we have around money. Does that make sense? Yes, that yeah, definitely because I know that like you you feel things like when you have a response to something often it's a physical response that comes first and that makes you think oh so that's really interesting and also you've really got me thinking about the films and things that we grew up with which might have influenced the way we think but also the people I'm just thinking about an elderly relative who was seen as very wealthy but if you went to her house she would give you bread and jam (laughs) I think and I'm like how so I must have had some belief around her being mean or something but probably but her stories would have been always about oh my money's always invested in something or other and I and that just starts to make you don't know it because you don't have your brain isn't formed in a way that you can work out what's going on with that person but make a decision about it without really understanding and there's so much we I love that story that's such a great story and what comes up for me when I think about that is and I think for generationally I think a lot of people could relate to stories of grandparents where they may have been wealthy but they go into this hoarding mentality and if you think about what sits behind hoarding as a psychological response to not having the feeling of it's going to run out, I'm not going to have enough. So I've got to protect it. 
I've got to hold on to it. And this might be examples, especially for that generation. If you think about that generation, they grew up during the war. By yeah. right? everything during the war was rationing. Things were restricted. There wasn't enough of things. And when we have this belief that there's not enough of things, it means that it's going to run out. And when we know something's going to run out, what do we do? We preserve, we protect, we put the back of the hatches down, we hoard. And so that's a psychological response, an unconscious psychological response to a perceived threat of danger. This might run out. I might not be able to put a, sh a shelter over my head anymore. I might not be able to feed my children. So psychologically, we've made this decision based on this energy that we experience in the body that is fight or flight. It's literally, we do this to survive or we die. It's this fight or flight response. It's such a great example, Zoe. I think a lot of people will be able to relate to that one. I'm actually, from a personal point of view, we are all parents who've got, and I know a lot of our community are as well, who have gone through lockdown and make it, we've experienced people stockpiling as a response to fear, fear of lack and things yeah. and unpredictability in the economy and what's going to happen next and I think that we maybe haven't processed it all yet and this is maybe trauma that's going to come out in the future but I think that has probably affected the way that we think around money as well and maybe we don't know that yet. Oh hugely we're seeing that really aren't we I'm seeing huge amounts of parents and children who we're starting to see this, the knock-on effect on our mental health. And we know that mental health and money are very clearly linked. You know, women, for example, who run their businesses, they're, yeah, they're so burnt out right now because they're in this feeling of that can't happen again because maybe they had a business that was impacted hugely by COVID and they had to close it down or they were a product-based business and, or hair salon or something where they've had to completely close their business. And this is a great example, actually, Zoe, of what we call sudden loss. And I want you to maybe write that down if you're listening to this and think about whether you've ever had or anyone in your family has ever had an experience of sudden loss. An example of this might be being made redundant, losing money, going bankrupt, a significant change in your health where you've not been able to maintain your job or your business. I've worked with three entrepreneurs this year that have gone from eight figure businesses to zero because of health challenges and they can't deliver anything in their business because it's all liable on them it, all their services are delivered by them it might be even things like lottery wins like a sudden gain and then the money's just suddenly lost so if you think about those experiences they don't even have to be your own experiences there's actually lots of evidence to show that we hold the energy of seven generations which just blows my mind. Seven generations of energy that you are carrying. This is epigenetics. This is science-based research that every piece of energetic, whether it's happiness, stress, all of that is stored in our cells, in every single cell of our body, and is carried down through seven generations. So when you get a resistance to something, something doesn't quite feel right, it might possibly be... A D at a DNA level, something that you've just picked up from a past generation. Like fear of loss is a big one for me. I seem to have this really weird, and it's not weird actually, but this weird feeling or perception that my health is going to suddenly be taken away from me. 
And so health is a key value for me in how I spend my money and how I give every pound a purpose. And I now know why that is, because when I look back through the generations, we do a little family tree exercise in our community where we get them to look at generational beliefs around money. And when I did this exercise five years ago, I realized that there was a pattern that went down the female line where whenever women received money, they literally lost it so quickly. And it was either money or love. And so my belief was you can't have money and love. It has to be an either or. You can't have both. And all these light bulbs were dropping. And I was like, that's why I overgave, over undercharged in my business, because I didn't believe that unless I was overgiving, like giving all my love to everybody, all my skills, sharing all my knowledge, that I wouldn't feel accepted. And I didn't deserve to hold on to money. Oh my goodness. This is, I'm sitting here, everything you're saying, I was thinking, oh, I can't, at the beginning, I can't think of anything that's impacted me. <laughs> and now I'm thinking, I've been made redundant. My husband's been made redundant. My parents lost their job suddenly. We had to go on the dole. My dad, whenever he had money, would disappear. And then he came back whenever, I only saw him when he had no money. So part of me, I, and my one of my main values is family. So most probably I don't hold on to it because I think I'll disappear. Not that I would, but I mostly have a belief. Wow. <laughs> this is it. It's tough, isn't it? It's the really awareness is amazing. Just to have this conversation and just like think, but, and then when you say, oh, we hold on to the seven generations and I'm thinking, well, hold on, just in these two, that's a lot. No wonder we all don't know exactly what we're doing or if we, if we figure out one element of it, we, maybe another bit of it goes a bit wrong. And then I'm trying to think as well, how do I teach my children the right way? And mm. what are they learning? It's, it's fascinating. Okay, so you said you start off with awareness. And I think you've really helped us start to, because at the beginning, when you start, you literally do think, I don't know where that would, I haven't got a money story. And then you yeah. just mentioned, and like Zoe mentioned in that, and you think, oh, of other people and you really do in films and things. It's fascinating. So if the first thing is awareness and you start thinking, okay, now I realize where all of these things are coming up and you've figured out where it is in your body and things like that. What's the next step? What do you, how do you take someone through the next step? Yeah. So the next step for me is clearance. And we use like different therapeutic modalities in our community. So we use something called emotional freedom technique or otherwise known as tapping or EFT. And it's a really great tool we teach in our communities so that people can not be reliant on other people, like to be held up, to be working always with a therapist. I really believe in teaching people the tools so that they can self-empower themselves. But emotional freedom technique for me, there's other modalities that can also support this really well. But we use something called EFT and also matrix re-imprinting. And basically what we do is that through the power of tapping, we tap on various points of the body, these points here known as meridian points. And what that does is it releases the, like the emotional charge and it clears it away from the body. So in emotional freedom technique, you take a core belief around money, which might be that rich people are greedy or money doesn't grow on trees. Let's take one of those like common beliefs or more money, more problems. And we tap on those points and we say a specific sentence that is, even though I have this belief that, and then we enter the belief, which people are greedy, only men can make money. I can't have money and love. I deeply 
love and accept myself. There's slight variations of it, but that's a nice simple one. And we just tap on these specific points known as meridian points. And it's a little bit like acupuncture, but without the needles. They're key meridian lines and we use them on the hand as well. We start here on the tapping point of the hands um, and people can like Google EFT tapping, EFT points, and you can watch little videos to show you how to do this. But that's the second bit for me is about bringing the awareness to some of the stories. Then we want to chase the energy in the body and understand where does that sit and then clear that away using some somatic tools and the next step beyond that is then about re-imprinting. So what I find for a lot of people is that when we go into past work, as in past stories, potentially past traumas, COVID is a trauma, redundancy is a trauma, and potentially other bigger things, people can get really stuck there. People can get stuck in the past stories, and it's not a good energy. Energy is like guilt, shame, regret, anger, all of those emotions, they're low vibrational energetic frequencies. And there's a bit of a danger, I believe, in getting too rooted down in past. We want to clear some of that, but we also want to move forward into present moment. Because otherwise what happens is we get stuck in the past or we get stuck in the future. Some of you might be listening to this and you're so worried about what hasn't happened yet. And again, that's not a great energy because the energy of the future is uncertain and we don't like uncertainty And because it, it creates procrastination and it creates indecisiveness. It creates a feeling that I need to be in learning mode. So we don't go into implementation mode. We just stay in learning mode all the time. Buy, let's buy another course. Let's work with another mentor. And we don't actually implement any of it because we're stuck in fear of success. So that for me are the three key stages bringing awareness to those stories and maybe some of those generational beliefs, then bringing it into the body, clearing some of that energetic energy, and then really bringing it into present moments. What are things that you are doing that you're already celebrating, that you're already grateful for, rather than putting your happiness into the future, setting your goals. In 12 months time, I would have done this thing. I'll be seven figure business in 12 months time. It's all bollocks, really, because that essentially is just parking your happiness into the future. Why do we want to do that? We need to claim the happiness now in a way where we can really celebrate the small steps that we take every single day. We don't celebrate very well at all, do we? Especially as women, we don't. We feel, oh, if I celebrate or if I say this good thing, I'm going to be boastful. You know, who heard growing up? Don't be boastful. So... Those for me are the three key stages. Oh, it's really interesting. And I would definitely say I'm someone who's been through traumas over the last few years. And I, and you were talking about health and we've got health issues in our family, which has just suddenly completely changed the focus on everything. And, and I can feel I've been quite quiet for the last few minutes because I can feel myself thinking, oh, <gasps> oh my gosh, like I, I feel that and I can sense that I need to relieve that from my body and actually how much better it would feel to not hold those thoughts, but things that I think are thoughts in my head are clearly things I'm holding in my body in different places. So it's really interesting. And I think that a lot of us have so much that we can work through. Do you think that this energy of money and the way that we think about the past and worry about the future might be one of those things as well that's stopping us from raising our prices and having conversations with our clients that are 
they're tricky they're tricky to go into and we maybe stop ourselves from doing that 100 percent, because we make it all about ourselves we make the price of our services about how good we are or how good we feel about ourselves and it has nothing to do with any of those things it's how much somebody is prepared to pay for the result that you are promising and some people will be prepared to pay probably double what you're already charging because it's based on the transformation or the result of what your product or your service is providing but we make it about ourselves because we tell ourselves these stories that I'm terrible with numbers I'm rubbish at maths I'm not good with money and we attach money to our sense of self like a magnet think about it like a magnet with these I am statements, the I am statements are where you are directly attaching your sense of self, who you are, to money, which when you think about it logically is crazy. It makes no sense. A physical coin or a, a note, like a, you know, some a piece of paper, it has no energetic charge. It has no guilt or shame or not good enough or a better level of success attached to it. And but yet we place so much of our energy, we give away so much of our power to a piece of paper (laughs) because of the unconscious stories, because of the meaning that we attach to this piece of paper. And what I find really interesting is even as I'm holding this is actually I'm holding this up in a video right now. This is a, a pretend hundred dollar bill and it comes out of my super fun money gun that I like that I do in my Instagram videos. And it's interesting because even if you look at the notes, you look at the characters, the buildings, the status, government power, often men historically being featured on notes until recent years. We couldn't open our own bank account as a woman until the 1960s. We've come a long way. (laughs) So we have to start beating ourselves up about it and just really claim our worth but not in a way that's attached to money. It's separating, it's unpicking that, pulling apart that magnet where we are not money, you are not debt, you are not wealth. Your identity is not related to how much money is in your bank account. Oh my goodness. And when you said that about not opening a bank account, like women not Open, and as well, and I heard someone else talking about the fact that even in our industry, we weren't even allowed to advertise our services a couple of decades ago. It was seen as a bad thing. So we've really got all this historical stuff in this industry. And then we're talking to other people who have their money issues and they don't even want to come on a call because they don't want to actually get their head out of the sand and discuss what's going on in their issue with their, themselves. So actually us having in our industry, firstly, sorting out how we are seeing ourselves on this energetic level. And if we could have some tools in our toolbox to be able to help others in our our clients to understand this as well, because a lot I've just heard right now, one of my clients is having a bit of a hissy fit about something. And they're always having a hissy fit about something. And it's always and it's and then and it's do you know what it is? They don't want to pay tax. They don't pay VAT. Government are taking all the money away. That And they've definitely got money stories going on. 
they've definitely and it's the same thing coming over and I often say I don't I, I don't want to work with people like that if I have someone come to me and say like, I don't want to pay any tax so I'm like I'm not the right person for me I'm very much like the more tax you can't pay tax on money you've not earned so the more tax you're paying the more you're putting means that you've earned more this is a let's celebrate yeah let's celebrate it but it's really interesting now to sit back and think about what other people are bringing to the conversation about business finances because they've got this personal finance stuff going on as well. And it's obviously going to have an impact between the two. Yeah, like even the word the tax man, it can bring up a lot of fear for people, like the tax man's going to come knocking on the door. And people may have had experiences where they saw house houses being repossessed, parents going bankrupt. Like we definitely have that in our family history. But even just those expressions or sayings the tax man's going to come knocking it's this whole fear mentality isn't it of if you don't pay your taxes online you're going to get that brown letter envelope come through the post every time it hits your post you're like oh god have I forgotten to do something yeah that's saying the only thing that's certain in life is death and taxes so literally death and taxes are one of the same thing no wonder everyone's petrified Exactly. And then layered on top of that, none of us had good financial education. No one showed us how to operate business finances. It's, it's no wonder that we have this fear. So just understanding that and being kind to yourself. And just one of the things I say to people is, if you feel this stuff come up, just pause, take a breath, because we want to get the nervous system back online maybe do a bit of humming or drink some freezing cold water, just reactivate the nervous system. And then just say out loud, awareness, awareness. And just to allow your brain to process that information and bring you back. We want to activate the parasympathetic nervous system, which is basically the one that's responsible for telling you that you are safe. It is okay. We are not in a life and death situation. It is okay. And just taking that couple of minutes to just breathe, drink some freezing cold water, hum a nice tune. Humming actually activates the vagal tone, which is the most powerful nerve that we have in our body. It goes into the back of the brain, goes all the way down the back of the spine. And you can just activate that by humming. Just sing a little happy tune to yourself and then just say awareness. Awareness. Is this really true? Is it really true that I'm going to get into trouble? Is it really true that I can't do anything about it? Is it really true that I'm not deserving to raise my prices. Is it really true? And just that pause can be quite powerful to help you to reestablish and reconnect with your truth and actually leaning into how good you already are and how much you already know. And you only need to know one extra thing. You need to be one step ahead of your client. And if you're one step ahead of them, they're going to pay you for your services because you can help them. Oh my gosh, Catherine, I we could talk about this all day. I think we've learned so much and there's so much, just, even just as a base level to go and like some of the things you've spoken about for us to all go away and think, listen to this again, what things could help me? What do I need to maybe explore a little bit more? I know that you help people with all sorts of different things around managing their energy and that you've got lots of resources. How can people connect with you and find out more about what you do? Yeah, thank you so much. We frequently run events around these topics. So feel free to come and follow us on social media. We're on all the obvious channels. Catherine Morgan Money is my Instagram account. 
And if I have a book as well, that's called It's Not About the Money and a podcast as well. It's not about the money. How, if you're a podcast listener and you're listening to this, come and check out the podcast too. Perfect. And we'll make sure we share some links in the show notes as well. Thank you everyone for listening today. Thanks everyone who's been here. Thanks, Catherine. And we'll see you next week for another episode of the Bookkeepers Podcast. Bye. Thanks, guys. Don't forget to join us every week on the Bookkeepers Podcast with Topical Bookkeeping Chat. Why not join our free Facebook group, the Six Figure Bookkeepers Club, or visit us at sixfigurebookkeeper.com. <laughs>